0: Hi, Jerry Ford here, and this is my podcast. Glad to have you along this evening. Tonight, it's part two of an interview I did with Mr. Mark Bowman of the Turtles, or you might know him as Flo, from Flo and Eddie with Frank Zappa. In tonight's feature, he's going to be talking about Ed Sullivan's show and the big song Happy Together. He's going to talk about Frank Zappa and going to the White House. Make sure that you got a good seat for that one. I got some bent music for you right now, right now, right now, right now. now. funko from Bent. Derek Dean on bass guitar, myself on electric guitar. It's time once again to rejoin the interview with Mr. Mark Volman on his second installment. He talks about everything from going to Ed Sullivan to the White House. with a little Zappa in between. Check it out.
1: You, you were on Ed Sullivan's show, weren't you? Well, just about everybody who made music in the 60s did that.
0: Okay, well, I seem to remember you on The Ed Sullivan Show, and it's funny that you mentioned John Sebastian, the 11 Spoonful. Because out of every, you know, a lot of the groups that were coming out and doing their thing, not only on Ed Sullivan, but that's where a lot of the youngest kids were being exposed to it was. You two groups were we're having more fun than the others. The birds and some of them, even though they were cool and groovy, they were so serious. And then especially you personally, if I may say so, when, when you'd come on stage, man, you were so happy. You just enlightened the whole audience and everybody seemed to just be getting off on your positive vibes. Is that just you (laughs)
1: you know I think it sort of goes back to when I was the roadie in the band I mean I think there was a reason why I eventually found a place in the group was uh, I think I used the word spirit I mean I I always had a good attitude uh, about my performance on stage and being a a part of the group I kind of found that was sort of my niche uh, in terms of representing what we did on stage even in our band i mean we had a seriousness in our band you know guys who just took themselves really way too serious Uh, our drummer our guitarist uh, and even howard at the time so i mean i sort of broke the i sort of broke the mold on that seriousness I, i think zolly yanowski probably was very influential on on me realizing that you could you know, make music and have a good time. Um, You know, Louis Prima, I grew up uh, in my household. Louis Prima and Keely Smith were uh, a a duo that I really picked up on uh, as a youth and had seen them play live. And and even from that, I knew that there was room for um, having fun on stage and combining that with the musical element. So yeah, I mean I I never really thought of it as being okay, I'm going to go out on stage and I'm going to be crazy or I'm going to be wild or I'm going to have a good time. It's just, you know, when we were introduced or even today, you know, I don't really think of it. I just I've always said that the the time I'm on stage is what I really look forward to and why I continue to tour at all is for that that time that i'm playing live how 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 it makes you feel and how much fun i have doing that so that's just a a direct relationship to uh the you know reality of the situation and and if it wasn't fun for me in that hour i mean i wouldn't be touring i Um, wish my students (laughs) <laughs> and the universities I teach knew that they they need to hear this interview and you ranting about how about me. They they think of me as a very hard lined professor who gives them grades that they should
0: get higher grades. Well, I can't imagine. They only knew. Well, I don't want to just gloss over this Happy Together song, because, I mean, this Happy Together, you talk about how the Beatles songs touch so many people, and, you know, they address the needs and the feelings that the young people were having of the day. Happy Together, I mean, it was a, a major, and still is, for that matter, I mean, it's still a big impact. Uh, today it's a major, major song. What can I say? I mean, it, it's it's a tremendous song. It's beautiful vocals, wonderfully arranged, and it must have been very overwhelming even to yourself to have such a hit.
1: You know that that period of time, 1967, for the Turtles was a really that was a hard time. There was a there was a lot of pressure on us. Uh, the the three records that we had c- tried to. Ha- have hits with, their, their failure, Outside Chance, Can I Get to Know You Better, Grim Reaper, uh, that was the first time we had had records out that had not scored in the top ten. Uh, and, I mean, to have three of them happen right in a row, it really changed the band. Um, it changed us. Uh, I mean, not only did we change the personnel of the group, But it really changed the attitude of, that's why I say it was a real crossroads, because I think at that point in time, the necessity for us to accept the fact that, well, you're either going to break up now or you're going to commit yourself to being in the game, the business game. And to do that, we had to be a lot more in tune to what was going on in radio and I say it was really important that we had to establish our own history. We we couldn't ride along on the history of being a Bob Dylan folk rock band, um, or a you know a Love and Spoonful prototype singing pop music, or a Birds psychedelic uh, music changeover. You see, and we had no personality. I I don't think we had a sound. So when Happy Together came along, we were very nervous because we didn't really have any place to hang our hats, so to speak. Uh, The song was, it had no groups. It sounded like it had no identity that we could pin uh, a sound on. And so it became, for us, probably the, the really important Part of that was the organization of that record and the arrangement and the sound. And um, Happy Together would establish for us a sound base for the rest of our career as it would set up songs like She'd Rather Be With Me, She's My Girl, You Know What I Mean, Eleanor, You Showed Me. I mean, it uh, it gave us a new history and it gave us our own history. Um, I think it really gave us the, the ability to look at the career of the Turtles. And at that time, um, from 1962 to 1970, I think the representation of the music of the Turtles really um, becomes identifiable with the song Happy Together and After. And um, that probably that... Three years from '67 to '70 becomes musically our most important contribution in music history. You know, I mean, the Turtles was a, were young. Uh, I mean, with all of our hip music, I mean, we were still very young. I think in the relationship to most of the groups that we came along with, you know, Roger McGuinn and Chris Hillman and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and all of these bands, they were older than us. I mean, um, it doesn't seem that way now, because as you get older, for some reason, the ages come closer together. But when you're 20 and John Lennon's 25 or 26 years old, uh, it seems like a tremendous... You know, I'm 18 coming out of high school, and John Lennon's married with a child and I mean he seemed much older, and uh, most of the artists that we grew up with uh you know Ray Davies and those guys they're they're older than us by about three or four years, but that's a big amount of time for in in when you're eighteen or nineteen or twenty years old I mean, you don't have that that uh, experience that um you do when you're, you know, seven years beyond, you know, 18 years old. And so it, um, I think that, that, that that's a big part of it when you're growing up. It just We were kind of young, and so everything that happened to us uh, happened at a very young age. I mean, the band, the Turtles, was over by the time I was 20, turning 23 years old. And I was married. I had two children. I had bought my own home i had you know i i had uh, I was involved in the proposition we call life and at the age of twenty three and and most of the kids who I had gone to school with were still in college and were try hadn't even thought about making enough money yet and if they had uh they had to get through the Vietnam War. And then the perpetuation of that life and the movement from the Turtles ending and us moving to the next life, flow and Eddie and singing for the next three years and working within this next dynamic that would change my life, which was Frank Zappa. And, and so really my college of the Turtles, my bachelor's degree in music really was the five years or eight years of the Turtles was really the foundations of my life in music, singing, touring, making records, producing, fighting against the system, the record system. When we went into the era with Frank Zappa, it became really uh, doing doing our masters. It was like three years, and we were doing our masters, and, and we're singing and working with this Musical genius who really challenged us musically in a way that the turtles had never done. But here we were doing a again chameleon musical life, just like the turtles, right? We had we had been this chameleon band making all of these changes until we hit our stride with Happy together, and even then. One of our biggest records was a record where we morphed into these groups during the Battle of the Bands where we portrayed all of these different bands where we took on the visual and musical stylings of 12 different groups and the Turtles Present the Battle of the Bands was a throwback to how we started and we projected ourselves musically into these different groups sounds and visuals. Well, moving into Frank Zappa, it became that all over again, and here we were in this lifestyle maneuvering through 200 motels, through Absolutely Free, We're Only in It for the Money, uh, Weasels Rip My Flesh, Live at the Fillmore East, Billy the Mountain, Devon, The Sofa, The Fat-Floating Sofa. I mean... This became a musical uh, part of our lives that would really challenge us to reach new heights as we, again, metamorphosed through Zappa and would get basically spit out, sort of like a, a meat grinder, coming out at the end as flow and Eddie. And as we come out of Flow and Eddie in 19... 19- 1972, uh, we come out as flow and Eddie at this point in time. 1973, we released the first Flow and Eddie album. So now musically, music has changed. We're into the 70s. Radio has changed from AM radio and pop music radio has now become FM radio and underground and album-oriented music. And so the we sort of become the music industry. We're sort of like the poster child of the dynamics of musical history changing, and we come out as Fallen Eddie, and, you know, there is no more AM radio, sort of speak. So it's, a, it's a interesting when you put it into perspective and how it sort of feeds off of itself, but it, it really, uh, it's really, uh, I think, uh, important that, I mean, when you look at Mark Volman and Howard Kalin, uh it isn't just the turtles I mean, I, it, maybe we would be more, maybe it'd be easier to pin uh, pigeonhole us if we had just stayed there, but I think when we went into the Mothers of Invention I, I think we really upset the apple cart, so to speak uh in terms of what crit- critics music history critics they didn't know what the hell what, how is this possible that these two inane inane personalities and singers singing this kind of pap could find themselves singing with the most challenging song writer and musical uh creator probably ever in music history in my in my uh, opinion
0: okay you've expressed my opinion there too and you've jumped in a lot of different directions here you've had a very diverse career let me tell you I'm gonna get back to that but I can't let you just jump through all that without commenting on a couple of things here before the mothers and everything back as the turtles you gotta tell me about this story
1: Trisha Nixon you played at the White House for Nixon well Trisha Nixon had uh, made a comment in teen magazine That we were um, one of her two favorite bands, and it was just a you know real innocent comment in the middle of a interview of Teen Magazine interviewing the teen daughter of the President of the United States. So, I mean, I don't think she did it to make friends. I think she was just somebody. They probably asked her, "Do you like music?" and she said yes. And they probably said, "Well, who are your favorite bands?" and She said the turtles, uh, and we were one of them, Mm -hmm. I think there were a few others mentioned. Um, We were invited through our management company, uh, got a letter from the White House, uh, from, I guess, uh, secretary there, saying that Tricia had uh, uh, plans to do a party uh, in the White House and was asking if the turtles would want to play and uh, we said of course we would we um, at the time um, it probably uh, appeared uh, different than the way we took it I mean obviously at the time we were you know had grown up in a liberal families and had pretty much grown up uh, around liberal friends and we were probably not the Republican uh, guideline um, but that it was uh, the decision we made had no politics to it. It was really just thought it would be fun to do, and we were going to be in the East Coast anyway uh, playing uh, in New York uh, the, the same weekend or the weekend before. and uh, So the invitation was just a natural, uh, you know, here was another opportunity to do something new. And, and, and at that time, bands that had played the White House, had really been bands like you know Woody Herman and Dick's you know the the big bands and presidents had always had bands there that were pretty much you know swing bands Woody Herman and Glenn Miller and all those type things uh, so being asked to come in as a rock and roll band to play there was something kind of unique and um, it certainly had no political bent uh, being at the time that we were probably more anti-war and but we, did, we took the, the show and we played it and what's it's so funny is that you know in, in all of the politics of it, really the President Nixon and his wife were not there that night. Uh, they had pretty much left the house to Tricia. We played in the east, east room, which was a big ballroom and uh, they had two stages set up on both sides of the Temptations were on one side, and the turtles were on the other, and we played, and then the Temptations played. Most of the politics that came out of that were the fact that Tricia was inviting children, kids of the, um, you know, people in Washington. So, I mean, the kids that came to this show, their parents, their fathers and mothers, were people that either worked for the White House, or were Senators' kids, or House of Representatives' kids, or whatever. So they, in fact, invited a date. So, I mean, the natural extension of this is that not everybody who came to the party uh, favored the politics of Richard Nixon. So that night in the White House, there was a lot of anti War sentiment and anti-Nixon sentiment being passed around, which was very interesting to see. There was a lot of young, young, uh, you know, kids passing out literature saying, you know, the president, he's terrible, and and on and on. So, I mean, we really just took it as a show. Uh, I mean, there was never a, there was never an inkling of political. I mean, we weren't there to, to deliver a message to the president of the United States.
0: But it did lead to the president of the U.S. Steel asking you to play for a gig for yeah. his daughter. Now, you got to tell me about that, and you got to talk a little bit about how Howard freaked out.
1: Well, I mean, at that, you, you have to understand, I mean, our liberalism, a lot of it was based in the fact that we were part of a culture that was changing rapidly. I mean, kids... Uh, there was war going on in Vietnam, and there was this separation. There was a line drawn, right, Stephen Stills. There was battle lines had been drawn. There was us against them. It was youth against uh, authority. So really, I mean, when we took the job for the person at U.S. Steel, I mean, again, that was up in San Francisco, um, We took that job because it seemed like a natural extension of the fact we had played the White House. And what we found is that night, I mean, we were pretty much playing, you know, next to a pool and set up on a stage. And we played our show, and the audience was very uh, bored uh, and uh, not at all responsive. And I think the reaction of... uh, several members in our band, was that this was not our audience and that we really are making decisions managerially. Uh, our management people are making choices that we really don't agree with. And, um, and I think Howard's reaction that night, which was, you know, to quit the band and to um, have a momentary lapse of uh, social you know, morals. And um, he saw it as us stepping over that line, that we weren't us anymore, we were them. And we were part of everything we didn't agree with. Whereas at the White House, we didn't feel that way, because the reaction and the response and the show and the party, everything was really a, a positive, And there was a lot of good feeling and everybody had a good time when we went to this other show it was a lot of young people uh who um were very snooty and um it really it really was um it wasn't a serious issue i mean howard quit the band for about you know 4 days you know i mean and um, within a matter of a few days everything was back in order and we Really, if anything, we made a decision at that point in time that we weren't going to take any more of those types of shows. But, that, uh, it, you know, nowadays we, we take those types of shows all the time. So uh, the us and them attitude isn't the same. So it became more of the social disease, right? I mean, we lived in a country at that time that really had really separated. It had really become this, you know, you were either part of us or you were part of them and the the us were the anti-war the 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 politicals you know the jerry rubens and the abby hoffman's and the smoking pot and the the kind of intellectuality of that drug taking created and on and on and on kind of the allen ginsburgs and the the whole hunter thompson and then there was the them side right And the them side was all the big business and the supporting of Vietnam. And it was kind of silly, I mean, when you think about it, you know.
0: You've been listening to Mr. Mark Volman. Make sure you tuned in for the next episode for part three of this most interesting interview. I'm Jerry Ford. I want to thank you so much for being there. Hey, if you'd like to be here even more, (laughs) and you'd like to be part of the show and you've got audio skills if you like to make music or you like to make noise or sound, send me your audio files to BitMusic. That's B-E-N-T-Music. SBCglobal.net. bentmusic SBCGlobal.net. I'd like to hear from you and make you part of this show yay till next time y'all take care thanks for being there I'm a howdy 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 I'm a